The D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show. We got a lot to get into today. We were lucky enough prior to the show to interview Bob Young, a contributor writer for the Athletic Arizona, who covered all things Phoenix for the last 40 years, to join us to talk about the angle of the Phoenix Suns and the last dance from this past weekend. Uh, so definitely go check out that interview. And we're going to have us a segment talking about how we feel about the last dance. We're definitely going to do a little bit of Bears talk with a couple of signs and Ted Ginn and, and uh, uh, Tayshawn Gibson joining the team. They uh, Listen, when I saw Gibson got cut, I was like, boy, the Bears. I was like, that's for the Bears right there. I was like, that's in the safety. I was definitely happy. Thank you, Bill O'Brien. We appreciate it. You keep failing, and we keep enjoying it. <laughs> so uh, definitely uh, make sure you check out the interview again. And uh, we got a lot of stuff to get into today. Of course, we're going to do our off top. My name is Kenneth Davis, and the next person you always hear is my man. His name is D. Demosfero. What's happening, everybody? Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. Click on a bio link. And, uh, hey, tickets, you will be taken to everywhere we're at. That's YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, all those places. Hey, just check us out. Rate, share, subscribe, all that good stuff, all right? I'm on Twitter, Demons1, N-I-G, at D-E-M-O-N-Z-E-1. Ken is on Twitter and IG at That's Davis, executive producer of the Dean Davis Show and everything that we do. From Mr. Ryan Bikovesky, Ryan's on Twitter at Ryan B. Ski and on IG at Ryan B. Ski one and also, in case you guys try to ruin anything, I have not watched the last episode of Westworld yet. Oh, I will, I will watch it. it. I will watch it tonight. What you been doing, man? So you don't post. You don't send nothing on that thread again. <laughs> you know, both of us won. Now, Ryan, you broke a rule because both of us wasn't watching it on Sunday due to the last dance. So I, I, at first, I was gonna text me and Ryan. They watching. I was like, this motherfucker, Ryan. <laughs> I didn't post it. I didn't post it. I was like, Ryan, where you where you at? D D breaking all type of laws and rules. Don't post nothing about Westworld right now. Until you got the go ahead that it's been watched in all parties that's involved in this. Wait a minute. I don't think I did anything. I just posted some links. Y'all ain't gotta look at them just yet. Oh no. You know what that link could have showed me about the future? Could have ruined all the suspense. Bernard just sitting over here. Oh, right. <laughs> no, it was a good episode though. I'm very, uh, I'm very curious to hear. We're definitely gonna do a breakdown. Don't even tell me it was a good episode. I don't even want to know it was a good all right, episode. All right, all right, all right. See, I'm not saying nothing. They see what I'm saying? He's a habitual ruiner. <laughs> Right, you you ain't seen it. Mm. Hit it with I the defense. A seven point five. Hit, hit it with you you haven't watched it. Defense. Mm. Mm. Let, let me tell you. Let me tell you. About it. <laughs> All right, now, guys, normally, let's... I give up sevens. <laughs> <laughs> guys, let's go off top. Let's go off top. Off the top. Off top. All right, listen. Let me kick mine off real quick. Uh, yeah. So, Mark Jackson. I uh, did the rounds in the car wash, you know, when you're on multiple ESPN shows. Mm-hmm. He was on Get Up at First Take. And while he was on First Take, um, I believe uh, Molly Krim Rose asked him uh, what he thought about trying to get players in the league trying to come back during or after, of course, some of the shelter-in-place things have been lifted, but trying to have a season or complete the, the season this last year. It just happened this past season, rather, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And basically what he said was, where do you stand on the league canceling the season or potentially resuming? Well, I think it's a great question. And I, I first want to give credit to Commissioner Adam Silver, who's done an outstanding job of leading the way and showing how true leadership works. And I think the most important thing that should be taken in, uh, in, into, into understanding of just 
the times that we're, we're, we're in the midst of is the safety of the players, the safety of the organization and the individuals that, because this is not risking, you know, seizing ending uh, injury. This is talking about your life. There are people losing their lives because of this nasty uh, virus. So I think it's important to make sure that we, we, we have a, a situation where we can protect the players and protect the people involved and then think about getting back to, to basketball. Most importantly, though, first and foremost, is about making sure everybody can be safe and healthy and whole. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, that's winning a championship, not well, the trophy, but having your life. And Stephen A. kind of went back on him. I love Stephen A., but he's a big capitalist, and he, the, the dollars have to be folded in a manner. Uh, but one thing that stood out to me, too, and we keep hearing this narrative because um, and one thing we'll talk about later is that some NBA executives are worried about older coaches and front office staff and people that are old coming back into this where there's still a chance to catch the COVID-19 virus. And we even found out for in the past that there was probably another strain. But now it's been confirmed there's a, another strain that is even more contagious and it's been here. Uh, it came over. It came over early. Like that's really the strain that we have right now. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, getting off of that. But one thing that keeps going on is LeBron James is always saying we got to get this season in. And I just got to say this. This is my hot take. What'd you get? Off top. I love you, LeBron James. Some ways. Some ways. Not more. Love you more than Michael Jordan. But if you don't sit your ass down because this is the best chance for you to get another title and relax. All right. Listen, your your extra title isn't worth risking people dying. Mm-hmm. All right. That's just the truth of the matter. And I, I'm not totally dissing you, but we know your motivation because, you know, this is like I would say legacy defining. But brother, your legacy is defined already. You want the greatest players ever. All right. If this season is done, it's just done. You're a physical freak. You can come back and try again next year, even though it may not be as good as this season right here. And a lot of those Laker players are on one-year deals. But you need to sit down and stop. Well, first, you came out with, we got to play in front of fans. I play for the fans. I'm not going to play. You need to just sit down and take a back seat when it comes to this. Because what you need as far as to help your legacy isn't as important as not just the players, but the staff and everybody involved when it comes to this bubble that the NBA is trying to, uh, to, trying to, 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 to sit there and 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 complete all right or and take place it's it's not as important and you being a leader and a person that people listen to you need to, to adhere to that and, and relax big time okay i agree with you but i'm gonna play a little devil advocate do you think it's just a competitive nature that these guys want to get out there because it's not just lebron james it's other players and coaches that say like hey yeah we need to finish this season I agree with you, but do you think, do you get any I think it could be a part, it could be a part, but see, but this is the thing, I can say it's my competitive nature and still want it because it's for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the thing with competitive nature. And competitive nature is for me. I'm, I'm, I'm this type of competitor to define myself and how great I am or how bad I am or how much greater I am than you. But like, you've never heard, I need to hear from him. And let me just say this, maybe I go to his IG, maybe he has. But I need to hear from him pointing out this needs to be done right. And also, if we can't do it, we need to just move on and figure out what we're going to do next season. season. Rather than we have to make sure that this season takes place because it just it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it just is. It, it's especially now, for instance, you brought up other players. Now, Aaron Gordon was on ESPN last week and he pointed out. I, I love what he said. Aaron Gordon pointed out, you know what? I don't have a family or older people in my family that I guess he's around. Mm-hmm. I don't know his family situation, 
But he said, so for me, yeah, coming back, it's, it's easier for me compared to people with families and things of that, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Now, again, LeBron has a family. Now, LeBron is uber rich. So there's clearly ways that he can make sure his family is protected. With a big but, family, too. Yeah. But also being uber rich doesn't save you from this. And there's still chances to, to catch it. And there are also other people like they're going to have to be the people that feed you guys. Like they're like, there's a lot more people involved than just those 12 players and that coaching staff that are going to be there. And uh, people that necessarily don't have the the finances to really secure themselves totally to a certain degree, especially if we're talking about transportation, if they were, I guess maybe they would keep them at the hotel or wherever they're going to the the Disney world or Las Vegas, wherever they would do this, but just still, there's a lot more people involved. And I, I mean, to be honest with you, the basketball season just isn't that important. And I love basketball, mm-hmm. but it's really not that important when it comes down to what really matters. So what's interesting with LeBron James is how he, in my opinion, kind of has evolved on this. Because when a lockdown first, when California first went to lockdown, he gave big props to the governor, Governor Gavin Newsom, and the Los Angeles mayor. I'm not I don't, I don't know his name right now, uh, escaping me right now. But he was like, hey, man, listen, this is great. I understand this. Uh, I, I really back this approach to uh, approach from the governor and the mayor about what's happening right now. Two thumbs up to where you're saying, Ken, he's at right now. Talking about, man, we just we we need to play. It's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. I don't know if it's, it's, it's a case of boredom. I don't know if it's the case of like you're saying like man I want I want to try to get the championship because it's the best time for me, for me to get one mm-hmm. or is it the the competitive uh, hunger that he needs to feed it could be all of them but I'm just saying it's just it's kind of interesting to see and, not, and I don't I don't want to disappoint out him you can see multiple people from your everyday Joe to somebody uber rich first start off at either point it could have been like man this is BS who now nah, we need to shut this down to now when you shut it down, it's kind of like, man, we need to kind of open this back up. It's just kind of, I think, shows the um, the mentality of a lot of Americans right now going through this and how people are waning back and forth because we don't know. It's just open. I mean, so he's like a Michigan militia member. Wait, well, I wouldn't go that far. Wait, this is this only thing I have to say. Because <laughs> I, I love LeBron, and I, when I said that there are I parts too. of him, I love more than Mike. It is the fact that he takes stances outside of the China thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Daryl Moore threw everybody under the bus with that. Yeah, he did. Uh, but especially when they were over in China. All right. Like that's not the time to start licking off shots. All right. Let, let's get back to the tip before you start licking off shots. But if you're, we're going to look at you and look at you as a civil rights crusader in a manner, right. Then there are other times where it may not be civil rights. You still need to lead by example to what's probably morally correct. And I think regardless of if you really want to play now, the moral, the moral thing is let's not risk anybody with something that's not as important. Most of the people that work at those uh, stadiums are going to still get paid for the remainder of this season, right? Right. Or if they have, maybe, I don't know how it works as far as do they get paid for the playoffs? So the t- I don't know now, and it gets to be interesting to find out. So the teams that were eligible for the playoffs, do they still pay their staff as far as uh, the people that are uh, working the concession stands and uh, ushers and things like that? Do they play them throughout the playoffs or did their payment end when the season ended? I don't know that. All right. 
But regardless, those people aren't going to get paid probably anyway because they're not going to be paid playing in their home stadiums. Right. So it's not like he's bringing they're bringing financial benefit to the people that the, the, the lowest of the low. And I hate to use that term, but, you know, the working class people. It's not like you're really bringing that benefit to those people. The only thing that you're really bringing is entertainment for us, which I purely enjoy. But I said this before, if I don't see sports for the remainder of this year, it's going to sit here and we're going to have to come up with some stuff to talk about on this show. Yeah. But it's not the most important thing. Like if, if a hundred, and I know, and it's funny seeing uh, Chris Christie coming out, like we just got to deal with people have to die. Dumbass. We know people have to die. Yeah. The point is not as many people. Many people. Right. Like that's the real, like we get that You're people are to going do to things die. So you won't have 500, 600, 700,000. Yeah. Yes. That's the yes. thing. So it's like, dude, it's been, and this is coming from like, it's people out here. Like my buddy, remember my buddy I talked about that was going to come over my crib yeah. and he travels or whatever. Mm-hmm. He had a good job working for the government. Uh, I don't know particularly what he did, but he definitely does electrical work. He had a pretty nice job. So he hit me today. And he, it was contract work. So he's done this. That's a wrap. Right. Mm-hmm. So he uh, had all had done trucking before, uh, sold off his equipment, went to got his equipment back with his boy. He did. He sold it to, and he's driving trucks. He's dropping off frozen chickens in Missouri. Well, he did earlier this, today. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, he's out here moving and during this, right? So I get that people have to make money and they have to move during this shelter in place. But we're talking about people that don't need to be moving and basketball players. This is true for the matter. And and it'd be different if we could just say, hey, we got these automated cameras, all right? You guys hit those the ball. It's your risk. Go do what you're going to do. But it's not just you. So to me, that's where I feel like he needs to fall back. Yeah, yeah. And real uh, real quick on this, I was talking to, I had a meeting doing my my, my nine to five. And uh, the guy, one of my coworkers, uh, he played, I think he played at Wisconsin, played football at Wisconsin. And we was kind of talking about, you know, um, like leagues reopening. And I asked like, man, how many people, because that's, this is my guess was like, we have at least about what, 70, 80, maybe possibly 90 people travel with a football team, each team, you know what I'm saying, during the game. He said, man, listen, it's probably more than that. And I was like, yeah, man, you got to think about all those other people that's traveling with you. It's not the people on the field you're just worried about, but also the people uh, behind the scenes or working in the stadium just to make sure that the game even happens and other people as well. So it's a bigger thing. It's, as, I, as I keep on saying, do all this, it ain't worth it. It just ain't worth it. All right, I got them off the top. Off top. All right. So we have the return of baseball, right? But it's not here. No, we don't. It's in South Korea. Yeah, we, we got it back, but you know, it's like a 14-hour difference, but it's all right. We got baseball back. So I checked out today the one game. I checked out maybe like three or four innings. Uh, the Samsung Lions going up against the HD, oh, HC Dinos. All right. So, and also, too, has like a little Chicago connection with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Tyler Sandino, I think he plays for the Samber, I mean Samber, uh, Samsung Lions. Uh, but baseball is back. And the one thing that jumped out to me is I know a lot of people is like, well, how is it going to be without when no saying no fans out there? They were pumping in kind of ambient noise. And if you were just at home watching it and obviously you don't see anybody in the, in the, in the, um, right behind the, the, the home plate. But it kind of sounded like a regular game until they made a hit and, you know, say, look, the outfield is completely as but but with the return of this ba- with the return of Korean baseball, how do you all feel about that? Is, is it, I'll kick it off to you first, Ryan. Are you uh, are you willing? Are you dying to watch something that you would even watch a little Korean baseball? What do you think? 
Uh, well, for me personally, I'm kind of like Ken a little bit. I don't need sports. I really want them. I love them to death. But if they didn't come on, I'd be okay. So I might catch a little bit. But to be honest, like, I've always been the type, if it's not pros, I don't really care too much. I want to see. Damn, you disrespecting the Korean baseball players like I, that? I want to Not see. the bat flip. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the best of the best. And when you lead off with Tyler Saladino as one of the draws. Star to shortstop? I can't have it. I mean, he's a glove. I'm not watching for the glove. <laughs> Made it all the way to Koreans. Good going, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's 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 feeding some it's feeding some players. I mean, some fans uh, hunger because I can understand. ESPN is like ESPN is willing to air it whenever, just so they can have some type of some type of programming. And I love baseball. Baseball is my favorite sport. That's why I was able to sit back and just kind of watch it. Is it the best of the best? No, it's not. Are you gonna watch more of it? Uh it won't be appointment TV. <laughs> <laughs> wow! But, but he just asked be. us about it, and he doesn't even plan on watching hold it on, anymore. I, you hold on, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> I will check it out. It won't be appointment TV, kind of like oh, I gotta see, I gotta wake up when I gotta see when the uh, Kia Tigers face the KT wins. No, I'm not gonna do that. But if I'm on ESPN, I'm on the ESPN app, and the game is on there. I'm not putting it in the background. If I'm working, and that's what I had it on, I just had it in the background. I was able to watch it when it was on. So you know, I was. I'm able, Who are the I announcers? Be, I do that. Uh, they uh, had Carl Ravish and um. That's messed up. That's yeah, they, didn't, they didn't send them anywhere, Ryan. They're watching that from. Oh, they watching at home. Oh, they was. It was, it was <laughs> hey, don't you, you even think? He was they, in his basement calling it. Yes, okay. they're watching yeah. that from home, buddy. You think, uh, you think Carl get on the plane and go to South Korea? Go risk it all. <laughs> sure, why not? Full ground rule double. Um, I don't know who Carl is. Maybe real quick. Real quick, uh, so some of the things that I did notice from the game that took place yesterday, I forget what teams it was. One of them was the Giants. I don't know the first name, uh, but this is the thing. Um, one, they had a setup where you had uh, the fans were sitting there with masks on, and they were like just cardboard cutouts or uh, yeah. stickers that were on there. And then on the big screen in the outfield, they had a Zoom conference thing where there are a bunch of fans on there. Oh, okay. They still had like their cheer- cheerleaders and stuff out there also. You know what I'm saying? So they're just well, pointing out how – You got to give them something. cheerleaders they're on the field? They're, they're, like, they're, like in the, they're like in like what, what us be would be like a bullpen area. But they were out there, Ryan. But they were like it was fence, and they were right there. And they, most of them had on masks. So, did the mechanics of the game change? Were they just doing everything the same? Everything like the baseball? same. Yeah, just playing baseball. But the, the first- players out there were masks on. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if all of them, but definitely a good majority of them had masks on. The game I saw didn't have any masks. Really? Well, see, this was I, now during the game. I don't know for sure, but coming out, the players had masks on. So maybe I mean, this was again the game that was yesterday's game. Mm. So uh, again, look, I'm not saying that if it's not on that, I'm not leaving off for a sec. But it's like I need the storyline. Like I don't know these players enough. I don't know the pitches that that pitcher necessarily has. So I don't even know. I'm not. I don't even know what to look out for as far as what's in his weaponry and when I know he's oh, he's got to go to this pitch doing right here and and in his count. So it's like some of that stuff, you know. So like, and especially being where um, the Sox were this year, this was going to be like one of my big reindoctrinations. Uh, into into MLB from years of my team sucking and me not caring as much. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so that kind of makes me not even want to watch it into a certain degree also. I do think that MLB is watching this very closely, though. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if they were to, I don't know what they'll take away from it, but I think they'll probably take away something and be like, okay, let's go ahead and try this over here. Uh, when the games eventually, whenever that happens, I'm sure they're going to pull something away because they're the first ones to do it. They said they're going to home stadiums. Yeah. I, I bet you one thing you can take away right away, because the biggest problem without fans in the stands is how do you get people to, like, watching at home get that atmosphere that you crave with the fans? And that's going to be really hard to replicate. It's going to probably take a lot of trial and error before you mm-hmm. find a good balance. So mm-hmm. seeing how somebody else does it, oh, we could do this better. Oh, we'll do mm-hmm. that better. Oh, we'll cut to this. Okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, put it on a TV show. All right, Ron, what you got? Off top. Uh, off my the top. off the top mm-hmm. is the passing of Don Shula yesterday mm-hmm. yeah. as he was a legendary coach. And I was listening, you know, as I normally do around town, sports radio, and I was listening to Mully and Haw, and they brought up a good point. You know, with the expansion of the season, the extra playoffs, the less of a bye week, it might be kind of impossible to ever have an undefeated Super Bowl team win it because now it's going to take at least 20 wins. And Don Mm. Shula might hold that record as the only coach that holds on to that. And then, of course, he's leading Bill Belichick by 55 games in the regular season total. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of up in the air if Bill Belichick is going to be able to last long enough. He'd have to average a lot of wins, and it depends if he wants to stick around. But he, he's number, is, it, is Don Shula number one overall? Is he over yeah, Hollis? He broke, he broke Hollis. He broke, he broke Hollis, Hollis, right? Okay, yeah. all right. 347 with everything, uh, playoffs and regular season combined. Listen, I never say that someone won't break a record because we've seen in our lifetime multiple records get broken, right? So that's number one. Um, he's breaking that record. Let me tell you that. No, no, no. I'm not, no, no I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about Bill Belichick. I'm talking about the undefeated season. Uh, I think it, I think it'll fall sooner. I think I think somebody eventually is because we've seen we've seen a homer record get broken in our lifetime. We've seen the seventy two and ten record get broken in our lifetime with the Chicago Bulls. No, I didn't. But no one's ever going to break <laughs> Joe DiMaggio's hit streak. That's done. And I mean, the chances are. Oh, also, I think somebody came. I'm telling you, man. Listen, never say never. Never Ooh, say never. No not with ever. not with the not it's with 60? the no, not with the velocity. Games, not with the velocity that these six. Not with the velocity that these kids pitch with now. Wait, wait, and also, what's the record? Fifty-six. I said six. Fifty-six. And also, we'll never see somebody battle over four hundred. I, I know. I bet you that. Man. I bet you we won't see somebody bat over four hundred. I never. I say you, especially they don't even hit for contact anymore. Everybody's swinging for the fences. Man, we living in a pandemic. I ain't never gonna say never. Oh, but pandemics has happened before. Hey, a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, but it's happened. This baseball, this baseball been around for hundred fifty years. Pandemics have happened no before. Is breaking Joe DiMaggio's hit streak fifty six? Jimmy Rollins got to like twenty and it was Dude, groundbreaking. Boy, think about it. Think about this. Boggs, Ted Williams. Tony Gwynn, just guys that are hitting aficionados mm-hmm. could not come close. And then you don't give me like it was the Ventura had one. like the people that did it over a season that mess like the kid in college yeah, did. Jimmy Rollins had one. Yeah, of those. don't give me yeah. no, don't give me those those trashy ones. But for someone no, in season, but but for, we're talking about at a time where there wasn't these velos and swing mechanics specialists. Where, yeah, like everything is swing up. Nothing's put the ball in play. Because then I'll tell you this. If this was like old school baseball, I'm with you. I would think there's a chance perhaps we could see somebody. But I would still – my only caveat would be they didn't have the velocity. Like, dude, somebody throwing 130 years ago was like two dudes maybe, if that, right? 
man, it's like 20 cats that probably can hit 100. If that, and not to mention all the guys that are mid-90s that are in the MLB now compared to what was going on 50 years ago. We shall see. But what do you think about Don Shula? What do you think about Bill Belichick? You say you think Bill Belichick is going to break his record? I think that's what we, I think it's more of a reason for him to hold on. Also, I think what we're finding out now, not what we're finding out, we kind of know, Bill Belichick has been through a lot and wants to prove his legacy. Like, this is his chance to show it I wasn't... proved it. No, no, not for us. But, I mean, it's it's like... like so, for instance, if Kobe never won another title, right, mm-hmm. people wouldn't view him the same way. That's still, but that still doesn't take away from his greatness, but some people will have slander against him. I think that's what, what he's looking at in Bill, yeah. Bill Belichick as far as I want to prove, and I already had it set up, and Tom Brady ruined it as far as getting rid of Jimmy G, and I'm not the biggest Jimmy G proponent. <laughs> but I already had my setup in order when Shuddy ruined what I was trying to do. I want to show that I am the GOAT, he, and he is the GOAT. And he he's a big Shula guy on top of that. Oh, I yeah. think I think because that's basically five years. Now, this, years maybe. this season maybe. If he got – I think it would take him seven years if he averaged eight wins. How is he? How he's 68, I believe. Oh, no. I don't think he's going to do it then. You don't I think know. he can coach these seven? The no, longest, like, the longest coach, just like Mark Levy he was can't. coaching in the, the Bulls. And he yeah, was Mark Levy and George Hallis at seventy-two. They were the oldest. And look, this ain't kids. this ain't that seventy. Either. No, it ain't. It ain't. Right. It ain't. I'm dude, just saying. I'm just saying. Better. Dude, dude, he's coaching at least another six seasons. 60? He is sixty-eight. Yeah. He just turned 68 in April. He's dude. He's gonna go and look. He said eight wins. Look after this season. This may be the down year. It should be to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Ooh. But mm-hmm. it should be. This may be the down year. He's going to average 10 wins again after this year. That's Bill Belichick in the AFC East. Right? He needs to get to 328, I believe. He's at 273. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I don't think if he wins two, 10 games next year, he's, he's at 283. He's pretty close. Is he, right, the old, is he the older coach in the and uh, hold his head coach? No, P. Carroll. I was going to say P. Carroll. How is he forgetting P. Carroll? Look, and that's how he you get. just turned 70, I believe. Wow. Yeah. And you think P. Carroll ain't going to coach for about another five years? I oh, Carroll. I'm sorry. He's 68. He's 68? He's the same age. He's the same age. Yeah. But he was born in 51, Bill Belichick in 52, so he's technically old. Okay. okay. See, you know, Pete Carroll got that young California feel to him. You know, I thought, I thought he was like 62 or 63. Not so much I thought he was face. 68. Oh, and think, put on top of that, him taking off his shirt when DK Metcalf showed up after the draft last year, and that dude was 67. Mm-hmm. And just, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is more likely then? The regular season record going or the Super Bowl? Probably the regular, right? What do you mean? Which one he'll probably get? Another Super Bowl? Uh, I'm just saying, like, let's say Bill Belichick, he doesn't get there. What do you think is more likely to stand record-wise? His win total or that Super Bowl undefeated? Oh. Ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me get this way. What Super Bowl undefeated are we talking about? You said like Bill Belichick. Eight? Oh, going no, no, through no. the entire season. Don Shula had the undefeated. Okay, okay. So we're saying, what What do I expect from Don Shula? You said Bill Belichick. So which no, record see, do I If you take Bill Belichick out of it, let's say he doesn't get oh, it. Which it would be, do you think would last long? It would be the wins. Yeah. Because a fluke could happen. Because so. think about this, too. We can have a team that is, is in a sucker division. Mm-hmm. Like where the competition is just trash. 
Yeah. So all you got, and then think about this: if, if whatever how the, the NFL aligns their schedule, they could play another sucker division. It's the teams that they have to play. So then right there, you got about 10 to 12 games. There's the competition is low. So it's definitely, if you take Bill Belichick out of it, it's definitely the, 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 how many wins there is compared to an undefeated season. Like there's a chance that a team can just get lucky and run through the season. And even like you said, that even with the changes, there's a chance that the team could do that compared to it takes a long, it takes so much longevity for someone to get to 300 and something victories in the NFL. It was was 30 years. It was over 30 years. Two teams uh, went 15 and one and made it to the Super Bowl. One won, one lost, right? The Bears won it and the Patriots lost it. That's two teams though. So obviously we can see that it can But the Patriots weren't 15 and one then. They were undefeated. I'm just saying, I'm I'm just saying the exact records at the end was 15 and one. No, uh, they weren't fifteen and one. They wasn't. The Patriots weren't fifteen and one. They were undefeated into the Super Bowl. D. They weren't fifteen and one. No, 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 no. I'm saying at the end of the season with them losing the Super Bowl, that was their one loss. But that still wouldn't be fifteen oh, and one. one. D. I got you. I got you. Got you. Got you. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking regular season. I'm thinking regular yeah. season. Yeah. yeah. I got the playoffs. But I mean, but yeah. I'm, I'm with for you. nineteen and one. One had Basically. a Super Bowl though. There you go. <laughs> Basically. Basically, I'm the only thinking. I'm thinking regular season. But no, I, I think man, the longevity, man. That's that's the key point. Can you have that longevity? And can you have a longevity and win at that crazy clip? And just right. think about just think about if Bill Belichick was able to turn around Cleveland earlier and they start winning a good clip and then he was like ah, I'm about to go ahead and go to New England and then they start winning a good clip that would have been something he probably would already broke it by now because how long probably. was he in Cleveland about five years about five years, years. I mean and, then and he you. didn't get his first start till 39 I believe yeah. he was 39 and, and which, which is really young though that's pretty young for an NFL he, head coach he went back to Bill Parcells mm-hmm. as a coordinator so just think like you're just saying if he, he started winning then that Cleveland team actually had some guys on there they went uh, to the that, playoffs with him. That ended up being the Baltimore Ravens right. or, or whatever. So, uh, like, yeah, like, if, if he would have held up, but see, Cleveland got so much bad luck on them. Like, he, yeah. for them to put that on him, it's like, he, he had, know he had him right, though. He had him going right. He yeah. had him in the right direction. Just didn't, it didn't last that long. But no, I'm with you. I'm with Ken on this one. I think it's the. I think you could probably find a, a, a team a to get to. Yeah. I mean, hell, the Patriots in the AFC East. The AFC That's what I'm East stunk. Like unless, Patriots. unless two, I mean, because it's even going with the, hold on. You know what though? This is a funny thing we are overlooking. You know who else was in the AFC East and it was the AFC? It wasn't. It was the East then because we were the Central and then we yeah. became the North. You know who else spent a lot of time in the AFC East? Don Shula. Yeah, yeah. sure did. Right, Don yeah, Shula, yes and I don't. There weren't a ton of great Jets teams outside of Joe Namath being there. That the one Patriots year. That's, that's what I'm about to say. The one we Patriots Buffalo, year. Buffalo and they That's the you. only. That's the only team that's ever really been a prominent team in our lifetime was alone in the AFC East. And that was until early '90s, right? But mid, mid, late '80s, early '90s. Because yeah. Kelly so, was in the '87 draft, right? No, he was before. He was in the U.S. He was in the USFL. Yeah. So he was coming out of Miami. He went and got paid in the USFL, and then he went to the Bills. What after draft the, was he? I think in, it was like '83. Uh, I want to say '83. Okay. I think it was '83 because I think it's he played the Elway draft and everything, right? Okay, I think he played in the USFL for maybe three yes. seasons. '83. Yeah, he played yeah. there a little bit. Yeah. And Dosh Shula was coaching at that time too. Because hell, when did Dosh Shula re- retire? '95. Yeah. yeah. And and then Jimmy Johnson take off. Say after John. Okay. All right. 
Because when did when did when did eighty three was the draft? By the eighty three. When did Wanstead, when did Wanstead, uh take over the Dolphins? After uh, Jimmy Johnson Jimmy set Johnson. him up. Okay. So Jimmy right. Johnson, of course, being the former Miami coach, I'm sure. And it's funny. I thought about this today. It's like I never thought about this. I, I'm sure it was always thought about that he would take Don Shula's job. So he went. He left. Jerry Jones dismissed him when he shouldn't have. They should have had a longer dynasty with the Cowboys. He went to Fox, and they had a phenomenal uh, pregame show. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when Jimmy left, and they brought in Ronnie Lott. It wasn't the same when he went to the coach, uh, the, the Dolphins, Dolphins, and then he came back. But he also brought in Phil Bears coach at the time, Dave Wonsett, who was his defensive coordinator with the Dallas Cowboys, back to prop up Dave to be his replacement after he left the Dolphins or whatever. They had, like, with Jimmy at the helm, they had, like, two good years, perhaps, but he still had to deal with the, how yeah, – that's it, how yeah. the hand Handle the end of Marino's career, and they never again were pretty much a good team as far as when it comes to quarterback. Yeah, very true, very true. All There's right. up for grabs, Steve. Hey, real quick, Ryan, what what do you think? Uh, the Super Bowl or the undefeated record, uh, the, the undefeated regular season, or the amount of wins uh, is going to be easier to break for somebody outside of Belichick? Yeah, I'm definitely with you guys. With the fluke Super Bowl thing can happen. I really am debating how likely either are like I gotta think that that Super Bowl undefeated is gonna be so tough you're gonna need like the Patriots a generational quarterback and a generational coach or something mm-hmm. to do something like that something that special and looking at 320 some wins the longevity like I don't even know if that's possible like Ooh. you're gonna get fired well, real quick real quick but you know one thing that we haven't said it's going to help somebody in the next 30 years that they are playing more games. Because yeah. Shula, Shula was only playing 14. 14 he, games. Look, he may have been when he was with the, the, the Baltimore Colts. They may have been just playing 12. But Shula had, had less games than Belichick. So now it may be a guy that's starting off now. Just shows you how now. much he won. Yeah, I know, it, right? It may, be a, it may be a guy that's starting off now that he's helped by the fact that there's going to be additional regular season games moving forward. I was thinking Mike Tomlin. That's a good one. But see, the only the thing I was saying that came into my mind was Mike Tomlin. Because how is Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin might be longevity. I don't yeah, know he's, he's in his early forties now, but he started when he was like what thirty-seven. How is Mike Tomlin? Yeah, he's about, he's 37, about 37. 38? and he's yeah. been Pittsburgh now for like almost ten years at least. More than ten years. Yeah, and I mean they consistently as we get to tell Tony, our former good, uh, producer uh, Tony Gill, like Pittsburgh has only they haven't had he hasn't had to lose a record yet. It's only been mm-hmm. eight hundred. I mean, been five hundred and up. Mm-hmm. So he's been he's forty-eight. He's been, He's 48 now. He's winning at a tremendous clip. And, and looking at Pittsburgh, they don't fire people. You have to basically like, okay, yeah, I'm done, and, and then you're done. And I think Mike Tomlin's probably going to be in Pittsburgh, at least my beliefs, for a really long time. So He needs he, about 200 more regular season wins. And, and, whoa, whoa, and wait, wait a minute. And you talk, but, you, but we're just talking about how, you know what I'm saying, you can coach possibly now because this, this is insane. Modern technology into your 70s. Yeah. So. You know, it's possible. He's only 48 years old. He would need uh, 20 seasons of 12. (laughs) He'd probably do it. I got my guy who I think may be able to break this record. Who? Kyle Shanahan. Because I think I think it has to be someone that's young to take advantage of the the first extra game, and as you said, that when the next CBA is that they're probably going to try to get to eighteen games. Mm. It's someone who can really take advantage of two additional regular season games. So I think I think it, so. Even though I think Tomlin is a very good one, Tomlin has been in the league over ten years already. 
So I think it may have to be someone who's at the beginning of their career. And it may be someone who is not even in the league now, but to, to benefit from the additional one game, perhaps the additional two games and then the, after the next CBA that will be able to break that record outside of Bill Belichick. Ryan, do you have like a list of all of, of the coaches right now? Of the no, ones? I'm looking oh, them okay. up individually, but I can get it. One real quick. Without Shanahan, 23 regular season wins. He needs about 300. He's 40. Hey. It's still, he'll be seventy. Still up there. Wait a minute, how old? How how many wins is um uh New Orleans Saints coach uh, Sean, Sean Payton? Sean Payton. Yeah, how many wins does Sean Payton have? You can see how how, how old is Sean Payton? He's Sean Payton got to be close to his sixties, then, right? He's probably in his sixties. He is fifty six. Oh, he looks okay. a lot older. Okay. With that, with, with that Vicodin and that Rona. <laughs> yeah, and the coaching. <laughs> so he's fifty six. Uh, how many wins? One hundred and thirty one wins. So he's just two behind Mike Tomlin. Dude, no. He's been coaching longer than Mike Tomlin, right? All right. Revises. No no one outside of Belichick is breaking this. All right. Because one, these guys get paid too much. And one thing, too, well, for instance, like someone like Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's probably whenever in the next five or six years that the, 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 the Pittsburgh Steelers sit him down, he's probably going to go to TV for a few years before getting back into coaching, I would think. Like, that's the one thing I would say that may hurt someone. If, and they may not be chasing that record. Is that they're, And on top of that, they're, they get paid so much more money now. Wait, like, well, you don't – go ahead. I got uh, a list for you guys. Well, a couple of names. Andy Reid at 207. He's 62. And then yeah, the next best after that, Mike Tomlin and Pete Carroll are tied at 133. Mm. Mike McCarthy is at 125, and he is 56 as well. Oh, he definitely mm. get his ass might get fired again. Uh, well, yeah, Mike, look, look how long he kept Jason Garrett down there. I'm with you though. I don't think he's gonna get it. I don't think he's gonna get it. I don't think he's gonna get that's it. Real quick though. before, real, real, real quick before we go to the next uh, next segment, Mike Tomlin, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. This is one extra question. All right. We'll go ahead and take a break. All on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Epps in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right. Come on back. We have some more D and David show for you. Yo, what up? It's your man Jay Illa, official Chicago Bears DJ, and you are listening to the D and Davis Show. Turn it up. Ballpark it for me uh, before I let you go, sir. Uh, what the next steps here are um, and how you see this playing out. I think this is going to be a huge year for Matt Nagy as a, in his future as an NFL coach. If Matt Nagy can figure out a way to get this Bears offense going with Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky, as his quarterback, Matt Nagy is going to have a job for a long time in the NFL. But if, they're, if the Bears are bottom five in the league in offense again, you know, Matt Nagy's not getting fired after this year, but he's going to be going into 2021 probably closer to the hot seat than he may want. So it's going to be a really huge year, a pivotal year for the Bears here in Chicago. I think they've done enough to get themselves into contention in the NFC North again, maybe closer to Green Bay than they were last year. But a lot still has to come together, especially a quarterback for the Bears to be a successful team in 2020. D and Davis show, we are back. All right. Now, one league refuses to take no breaks doing all this corona, and that is the NFL. Yes, the NFL. Uh, this, we're recording this. Uh, it will be out to you, everybody, hands Wednesday. Tomorrow, Thursday, the NFL schedule is going to be released. We just had the NFL draft a few weeks ago. Uh, but we, obviously, we're here in Chicago. We got Chicago Bears news. And the biggest news 
It shouldn't been new. Somebody should. They, I think people should have saw this coming a mile away. Mitchell Trubisky's fifth year option will not be picked up. It is. It hasn't been picked up. It won't be picked up uh, for his upcoming year. So, Ken, I want to kick it to you first. So, I think this is a good scenario. If you want to say, just put the rosier picture, rosier glasses on for Mitchell Trubisky. All right, they're not gonna pick up my option. Uh, but if I ball out this year, I can make me some money. I personally think he's probably going to stink. And Nick Foles is probably going to get the starter position, although he has a shot. What say you? I don't think he's going to stink. Nah, he stinks. Because the, 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 the requisite talent is actually there. It's the reading process that's not there. Mm-hmm. And to get a quarterback in the room with you that may be beneficial, like, to be honest, we don't know how much Nick Foles may have helped out Carson Wentz, you know what I'm saying, from coming from a smaller program uh, and helping him to adapt to the NFL. So I don't necessarily think he's going to totally stink. Let me say that. Okay. Totally stink. Um, but this is a funny thing, because I remember when we did the score on Christmas around Christmas time, and I was I told everybody listening, listen, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy know the truth, mm-hmm. and they are not going to overinvest in Mitchell Trubisky, right? And then when they came out with their interview after, Ryan Pace was fully behind Mitchell Trubisky. But to me, they were, they're too – they're realist, even with Ryan Pace's connection. And, and one thing that we've mentioned in past shows was the fact that Ryan Pace, due to the fact that he had a 12-win season, had the chance to break away from Mitch. You know, like if they didn't have success mm-hmm. and he had Mitch, then it would be an issue. But due to the point where he's given the powers that be, where we know uh, Charlie Casserly basically picked out Fox, right, John Fox that this was Ryan Pace's choice to be a head coach, that he picked up the right head coach at the time, and there was success, I thought he was going to be given a, a little bit more rope, necessarily. So for me, it's common sense. Uh, there's no reason, even if it's just due to if he gets injured and can't pass a physical, to give Mitch guaranteed $25 million, basically, especially no to a team that's no up against the cap. There's just no, it's no reason to gamble because it, it'd almost be in Mitch's, in, in, in Mitch's best choices to fail the damn physical. All right. I mean, of course, I don't think he would do that, but it damn, it would be the best option just to secure $25 million because there's a chance Mr. Trubisky in one year will never make that type of money. Very true. All right. It's and it's the NFL too. This is a, a significant chance. There's only going to be one other team that perhaps gives him, if he's no longer with the Bears after the season, gives him a true chance at starter. After that, he's he's on he's on he's in backup land and has to wait till someone gets hurt to perhaps get another bite at that apple. So for me, it just makes perfect sense to why sit there and give Mitch this money. Where and also from their perspective, I'm sure this is how they're going to try to spin it. Uh, we want a lot of fire under him. We've given him too much security. We're just having Chase Daniels in the room with him, basically, outside of Tyler Gray. Uh, so why not give him real competition and see what comes from it and also have him out on the ledge? Because, yeah, because think about the, what you're really telling him. If you bring in Nick Foles and then extend him, you're still telling him this is his team. Like, you're not yeah, telling him. Yeah, right. that, like you're like you Because, look, he knows I got next year to a certain degree. They can still cut him a la Leonard Floyd, but still you're telling him that we're leaning more towards you than the guy that we brought in. See, my whole thing is, and you brought this up. Uh, one caveat to oh, what up? you just said, Ken. With up, the Ryan? new collective bargaining, that would be fully guaranteed if they pick up that option. But they still have – no, they have – no, look, Brian, no, it's not. 
Because that's what we thought before the new collective environment was coming in, because that's one of the things that they said, that those those fifth-year options were going to go from only guaranteed if the player's injured to being fully guaranteed. It has not changed. Like, because I was thinking that, too, in reading the details of it. That still has stayed the same. Player, his The only way Mitch gets that money is if he's hurt. Hurt. That he gets that money. But I'm with you, Ryan. That's what, every, that's what we were told two months ago, but th- that has not changed so far. See, my whole thing is the simple fact of what you brought up, Ken, the simple fact that he can't read defenses, right? And since he has been in the league, he has regressed. We haven't seen anything. It's kind of like an upswing. Oh, he finally got it. Now it's coming up. My man, just going into your fifth year. You got to, you have to have somebody bring – you have to trade for a dude down in Jacksonville. Jacksonville signed him for a big money. Cut him after a year to bring him up here to tell him what push you. And we said throughout the season, while the season was going on, while we were on the score, and even towards what the state of uh, state of America is right now, what we're going through with the draft coming up, they should still draft a quarterback. So my whole thing is, I still don't think the Bears are in a good position when it comes to the quarterback position. I'm not a big fan of Nick Foles because anywhere he goes, and he was actually gave the gave the uh, the keys to drive the car, he's crashed them. Uh, I'm not a fan of Mitchell Trubisky because he's simple fact he, he he's not reading defense as well. And he's and he's regressed every year since he's been the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. So they still have to figure this out. So I listen. If there is, there will be no reason besides the financial parts, which you which you two have brought up, which is 100 percent on the, on the nose. There's no reason to probably bring him back now, unless he goes out and gives a. Hell of a season. The Bears make a run to the – if there is a season. The Bears make a full run in the playoffs in some way, somehow, to make it to the NFC Championship or, you know, saying, speaking to the football guys, they make it to the Super Bowl. He has to have a great year to even put the pressure on them because let's just say if he doesn't do well, then you look at the Bears like, man, I made a good point. I mean, I made a good thing. You know, uh, you made a good deal not picking up the fifth, fifth, that fifth-year option. If he does have a good year, it's like, all right, now we can actually go back and maybe negotiate and get a contract with you because now you have shown yourself to be worthy of being the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. So it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. Don't re-sign the dude. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I definitely wouldn't have picked up his option because I think it's going to be really hard for him to win the starting job, especially with a limited training camp. You know, maybe he's progressed at reading defenses. I would think you'd have to play a lot to get better at that. And they're not going to give him – I don't think they're going to just give him the job in training camp. I think if – if Nick Foles, who is more accurate as a quarterback, is out there executing and looks, like I just said, more accurate, He's going to I don't think job. they're going to hesitate to go to Nick Foles. And if that's the case, then yep. Mitch has to hope on him stinking or him getting hurt. And if neither of those happen, I mean, what resume does he really have on the open market at that point? So for him, I mean, he's got to be ready to go at all times. And if he gets any opportunity, he has to maximize it to the max. Otherwise, he could be done after this year. D and David show D Ken and Ryan. I got one thing to say about the quarterback position in Chicago. Yeah, I think there's a chance that next year they draft Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. That's my guy. I think that's what's going to end up happening. No interceptions in this year. Threw for twenty eight. Ran for eleven. Um, I was in North Dakota when he broke out that freshman year. He I know. I was waiting good. for you. I was waiting for you to throw out your North Dakota love. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, I think that because there's a chance that he may be in the teens in next year's draft, uh, they're probably going to be too good to get uh, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. And again, uh, listen, I love Kirby Smart, but I still don't see how Justin Fields ended up at Ohio State when you had that regular noodle arm and Jake Fromm, and you could have had you could have had two more years of this kid right here with yeah. that Georgia defense. But I think there's a good chance because Trey Lance isn't going to be ready to play in the pros his first year anyway. That you can look at Nick Foles being a true stopgap coach, and also I think now that if um, Mitch Trubisky isn't, and we know he's not being brought back as far as right now due to the fact that contract isn't being signed that if they don't bring Mitch back, now you have Matt Nagy in the room with Ryan Pace like, let's go get my guy. Because Matt Nagy wasn't there when Ryan Pace went and got that guy. I have a question for you, though. If you think this, this the kid from North Dakota, you know, North, Dakota North Dakota State, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is that good? Okay, so I would think that the Bears, at least right now in this season, if there is a season, is in a win-right-now situation. Uh, they might be able to do a year or two, but, hey, man, you got this defense and this is the NFL – a year, a year off is like a just like I said, it's another year down the drain, right? Do you think there'll be? Do you think they'll still be able to be in that winning window? Yeah. If you're talking about drafting this young kid. Well, g- so. great question. All right, unless there's a tackle that they can get at that time. Yes, because the defense is basically straight. And Ted Ginn kind of throws the uh, age curve out, being 35 years old mm-hmm. with this team. And you brought in Quinn. And I can't forget who else they brought. They brought in a couple guys at a third. So this team is actually on paper older than what it actually is to your core players. Mm-hmm. And none of us expect Robert Quinn to be here. You got to fire your deal. But it's probably going to be here like maybe two to three seasons. Your core of the defense is still young when you talk about Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, uh, Keem Hicks is kind of getting up there, but Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, Fuller. like, yeah, there are, there are players. And also with Jalen Johnson now is the other. So think about it. Fuller, man, let's just say Fuller, his deal is about to be up. All right. There's a chance they may sign him, but if Jalen Johnson is so good, they may look at him as being Fuller and then just say, all right, we need to now put that money when it's time for him to come up. And then have let's move transition these guys over that's going to be in foolish position. But they got core bits. As long I'll put it like this: as long as they have a guy on the down lineman that can impact the initial contact, and Khalil Mack is healthy, and you still have two good uh, secondary players, this team can go for a longer run. It's not like uh, Khalil Mack is thirty five and we like this is it's a wrap. You know what I'm saying? So I could see them being like, and if we get a good quarterback, it's also going to alleviate as much pressure on that defense and the defense won't have to win games and we could actually so we don't have to put as much money over there because we're not asking them to be perfect as much because we got a game winner over here all right i would also say to that um everyone has to kind of keep in mind what ndsu is because they are a very unique dynasty powerhouse i mean they've won title after title i think they've won like seven straight something like that something crazy they've had carson wentz in that run Easton Stick is on the Chargers, and supposedly they really like him, and he was a guy that was drafted. I don't know how good he's going to be, but was considerably less talented than Carson Wentz. Trey Lance is considered probably more talented than Carson Wentz. Especially with so speed. far. Yeah, no interceptions has, either this past season. He has the combination of the arm and the legs, and they run a pro-style offense at NDSU. It's not some, like, hodgepodge, like, and scramble around sprint. He's a tad tandy. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, he is Justin Fields in Division Two. 
that's really what in Division One, I, I guess, because he's FBS. He's Division One Justin Fields. That's oh. what he looks like. Okay. All right. We'll be good. It'll be good to see. All right. What else we got on the Bears? All right. So the Bears have agreed to terms with former Ohio State wide receiver Ted Ginn Jr. and also safety Tayshawn Gibson, who was released. Uh, from the Texans, after signing a three-year deal, we ended up on the injury reserve list. Um, as soon as I saw that the Texans cut him, I was like, there you go, Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you push Bush back to being the reserve role that he's probably good in, even though there's a chance, because Gibson may not stay healthy this season. Yeah. Uh, that, but, but you still see it. The good thing is now that Ryan Pace, and one thing that we try to give him uh, props on this show is when it comes to pro personnel, He's actually fairly good. He's pretty good when it comes to pro personnel. So initially we thought that Trey Robinson or Tolliver were going to be the the cornerback. And when you got Jalen Johnson, now you're bumping all those guys down. And now when you're looking at uh, Hall and you're looking at Bush, now you're bumping those guys down and putting Gibson there. So, because you remember times, I remember times like, where the, the Bears, where the secondary was so depleted, because like both, this is like during the Peanut Tillman era, where like the corners were out. It's like, damn, we ain't got no corners or whatever. They you know, no we, safety except yeah, Mike Brown. Exactly. Or even with the receivers. Like even now, and they, some of them aren't as unproven, but remember when Devin Hester was your number one receiver? Man. Right? And you're counting on Devin Hester and Johnny Far Knox. In a way. Yeah. So, like, so as far as building talent and depth at positions, he's done a much better job. So, Tayshawn Gibson definitely helps. Uh, we have Mooney that they drafted to be that speed guy, but at least you're giving him a guy in the old bet and taking Junior that can yeah. probably give him some sense. You're not taking Junior had insurance for the offense. True, true. Taking taking Junior with the Saints last season had less than forty passes. Then he made it had seven uh, forty catches. Thank you, dude. I think he made but, it. Had, uh, to be fair, nobody really caught the ball in New Orleans except for one guy. Right. Yeah, true. And, and I think he had over seven hundred uh, yards. But one thing he averaged. 14 yards uh, per catch, all right? So at least you still got a guy with that type of speed. And even if he can just put a threat to where you just can't come down on a Allen Robinson, who's still a real young 26. I don't think we think about that when it comes to Allen Robinson, is how young he is. Uh, they, they were good additions. These were needed additions, especially when you had less draft capital. So you had to make up this. Now, the only thing that the Bears really need to do is try to find out how to solidify this offensive line, and that's easier said than done. Yeah. One just quick thing to throw in there, Ted Ginn also plays special teams, so he'll fit perfectly on that bottom part of the roster. Yeah. No, I, I definitely like the move. I mean, it's also you just need some some type of tandem or more depth to go aside. I can't say it next to Allen Robinson because, man, listen, you don't want this dude to be the only threat that you have out there, and they need to kind of open up this offense. Now, like I said, it kind of goes back to the quarterback. Accuracy, maybe making sure that you know, saying the ball can get out, and get to those receivers. So that's huge, man. If if Nagy can pull it off, and we can really see what this offense is supposed to be, because that's the one thing we saw last year. It seemed like that offensive playbook was getting was getting thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner, and he wasn't able to kind of do what he wanted to do. At least that's what we have been told by multiple people who cover them. So you get somebody at Foles, and he can just stay, you know, stay, stay the course. Maybe he'd be able to open up. Maybe things will look a lot different. If that's the case, then I know Trubisky's out, but I know we're beyond that. But uh, no, d- d- definitely getting the depth on this team is is huge, and uh, moving getting the, getting a guy like uh, Gibson and and, and Gen Jr. is it's definitely going to help. D and David show Demas, Ken and Ryan. Uh, one more thing to add to that too, going along with the offense that we need to put into perspective. We're not asking for anybody to do anything more. Actually, we're asking for people to do less. 
because now you have something that you didn't have or at least only had two years ago for part of the seasons. Yeah, he's old and he's not the same guy, but you have Jimmy Graham to be your you guy. That's and click and, 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 and uh, uh, Cole commit. You have a, a, a Y guy, guy that is he's he can do that. So now yeah. you're talking about in the seams and underneath. You got guys that can draw people away from Allen Robinson, whoever is over top, and let alone draw attention away from that running back in the running game or out in the flat. So there's a lot more weapons here for Nagy. Now, again, we have to wait and see how he implements them. But still, there's a lot more talent on that offensive ball, especially when it comes to pass catching, that there's ever been really in the last decade, to say the least. Perhaps since the time of Alshon Jeffries and uh, – um, uh, what's uh, his name? Brandon Marshall. Thank you. And Brandon Marshall and uh, Martellus Bennett. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to throw another thing on top of what you just said, Ken, uh, when looking at Jimmy Graham, you know, big thing that he does do, he stays healthy. He plays games. Trey mm-hmm. uh, Burton wasn't there at all at last all. year. At all. And supposedly he is a huge part of Nagy's offense. So if you have a bad quarterback or bad quarterback play and you don't have a focal point that you tied in that I really want you can start seeing why you're just cutting away layers and layers mm-hmm. of the offense and stuff that he really wants to do. Jimmy Graham might not be great. He might only give you just kind of an average year because maybe mm-hmm. he's a little bit too old, but he will play on Sundays. You're not going to have to worry about him not being there for you. But you, but you have somebody – yes, you want somebody to be an all-star at that position or all-pro in this case with football at that position. But as Ken said, you don't – Listen, the more weapons you have out there, the, the playbook is going to be able to expand, but that also takes responsibility off of other guys, though. So now you don't have to worry about Allen Robinson. You don't have to worry about Montgomery. You don't have to worry about how we're going to fit Cole into the, uh, into, the, into the playbook. You have guys there, and to your point, uh, Ryan, talking about having Graham out there, he's going to be able to play. Now you have some pieces. I don't know how far the pieces are going to take you, but at least you have some pieces that can maybe have a functioning offense can we get to the middle see. of the league? Yeah, middle right, of the pack. Right. Can you can get, get to get there? Can you get to 15? Average. Can you get to 15 instead of 30? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Get to you get to 15. You get to 15. You're in the playoffs for real. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about 2018 again. We're like, oh, how far can they go? Exactly. Instead of what is this trash? Yeah. Absolutely. All right, sticking with Bears news, uh, Tony Rowley, host of ESPN's Around the Horn. Uh, this is from, uh, uh, I think this is from the Tribune, coined the phrase for a, a lack of accuracy near the end of Monday's show, but he felt gu- guilty soon after, and he apologized. This is what he said. He cracked, I don't want a Trubisky. So after he did that and got off the air, he went to Twitter, he apologized to Mitch, and then he uh, donated money to Mitch's charity, uh, Thumbs Up Mission. Uh, Mitch didn't respond to it. But uh, Tony Riley felt bad for taking a shot at Mr. Trubisky. And at least, even though, and we don't care, but at least something good came out of it. A charity got uh, some more donations. Let me tell you he something. He is pissed. Let me tell you something. Tell me. Just because you made a joke <laughs> that was accurate. More than unlike that, Trubisky. Unlike Trubisky ass. You don't need to apologize. You didn't say, right. anything, you didn't say anything wrong. State he's, of facts. He's not good. He's yeah. not accurate. So if you want to mess up something, you say, I want to be accurate or something, I think I'm going to steal that for now. I don't want a Trubisky. I'm going to tell you, listen, he's a better man than me. Because I would have I I been like, man, that's a good one. I'm keeping that for another day. See, that's how I know you're not a big Bears fan. That's too depressing to say Trubisky. Man, please, listen. <laughs> he ain't good, y'all. I'm just saying, he's not good. If, listen, how many, how many players have had, or, or people in general, you know, 
has had a joke kind of like named after them or something. I'm sure we probably think of something. It happens. People come up with a good one and it sticks. Uh, Tony Reale, that one should stick. That should be something. Mm. You should put a segment. Don't Trubisky it. We should do something. <laughs> All right. My is, he isn't good. He is. I'm sorry. I'm he, sorry. He just lost his fifth-year option. You got to kick the guy even more when he's down. I lost 25, 25 million, million, and you want to step on his up. neck. <laughs> I want to name a segment after this suckage. <laughs> he a better man than me. I, listen, I will say this, though. It's good that he had a heart about it. And he's like, you know what, man? I shouldn't have done that to that brother. I'm going to go ahead and donate some. He's a better man than me. I would have kept it. I would have kept it. Like, hey. Maybe he knows Mitch is coming into broadcasting and he didn't want to step on any toes. Damn. You talking about me, son? You're kicking him out of the league. I didn't even do that. I don't think he – listen, I don't think he'll be able to Jesse Palmer it or Dan Orlowski it. I mean, for guys that didn't have prominent careers that are yeah. doing well, I don't think Mitch is going to be able to flip it to that degree. I ain't listening to nobody who can't read the defense. Let's go to – let's kick it to, let's kick it to Mitch Trubisky, see what he, he thinks about that. it. He don't know what he's looking well, at. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you said that like if we put I you behind see, center, like, you're going to be able to figure out everything. <laughs> like, you can't read the defense, man. I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. Now you gotta say, Here, let's, kick it, let's, kick it, let's kick it over to Mitchell Mitchell to his, get his. Mitchell, uh, what happened on this play? Uh, I don't even know. know. <laughs> I don't even know. Which way did he uh, go? Let me kick it right back. I, I didn't even see that. I didn't even see that. Uh, that defensive lineman coming. Mitch, we have a circle. I still didn't see him. You know <laughs> why? No man. Real on. quick, wanted to get your early thoughts on the Bears' schedule. Yes. Because I mean, they're an eight and eight team. They're big market. Mm-hmm. They got some interesting foes. They're playing the NFC South, so. Tom Brady will be coming to Soldier Field. Mm. Uh, Deshaun Watson will be coming to Soldier Field. They're playing the AFC South. You also have Drew Brees coming in. Uh, Indianapolis Colts will be coming in. They'll be on the road. Philip Rivers. Yeah. Yep, they'll be on the road for the Falcons and Panthers, as well as the Jaguars and Titans. They'll also be in L.A. again against the Rams. And uh, What are we talking about making a trip out there? The New York Giants will be coming again to Soldier Field to play the Bears. Who cares? cares I'm just just giving you all the opponents. They stink. stink. (laughs) You know what? How many primetime games do you think? Any? (sighs) Brady? Brady Brady for sure. They'll get two. That's before they flex, if they're good or not. Houston? That's true. Houston, I think. Yeah, pre-flex. Yeah, I think Houston might be a. Uh, I think that might be a yeah, prime the, time the game. Draft, yeah, especially with the yeah, exactly draft. What about the Packers? They usually get a Green Bay Bears primetime game each year. Yeah, maybe they the first get, one. I don't know. They can get. They can get three. How do you? How do you all think? What do you all think Green Bay is going to do this season? How they do you gonna be, they're going to be good. Like 12, yeah, and four, think, twelve and four. I don't know what? about twelve and four. And I mean, because a lot of those games were close. They're gonna have over. Yeah. They're gonna be around ten victories. Give ten or take victories. A win. Yeah. yeah, I would peg them for above ten somewhere. Yeah. Not think, like as money as last year. I don't think. I don't think. I think, get the, I think the NFC North might be a pretty good division this year. But I think it will. And with the new rule change, a whole division can now go to the playoffs. Even though that's probably never going to happen. Happen. That's play true. Each other so yeah. much, but technically that could happen. I think the NFC North is going to be pretty good this year. I saw Dominique Foxworthy on ESPN, and he said that it was a weak division, and I was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. I don't think but so. Unless, you, unless, unless he's counting everybody beating up each other. Well, this is the thing. They got a rough uh, road to hope when you're paying, playing both South divisions, mm-hmm. all right? Because, like, even though none of us care for Bill O'Brien, 
that still is a team that has a, a quarterback a that could be, be a Hall of Famer. It's true, Ryan. It's a playoff team. Mm-hmm. You have an Indianapolis team that was good last year, and now they have a better quarterback, even though he's aging, in, um, uh, with Phillip Rivers. All right. So, and then look at what the Titans did, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, and, and they're hard, they're a rugged team. And then you're talking about the NFC South. And I mean, like you said, Brady's there, Phillip Rivers is there, Teddy Bridgewater now. Thank you. Uh, Drew Brees is there. Teddy Bridgewater now has his his own job and spot. And then Matt still Ryan you have to do Matt Ryan. Yeah. So, dude, I mean, that's not going to be it. That's not an easy record right there. It'd be, you know what? It'd be interesting to see if the NFC North, and I know, again, with the playoffs expanding, gets two teams in next year with how hard those divisions are as they have to necessarily play. So here's a question to, uh, to you two. What do you think is – how many wins do you think is going to win to take the, uh, to get to NFC North? I'll say 11. Yeah, I was going to say 11, first blush. At I'll say 11. Because they're still going to beat up on each other. The Lions should be better this year than last year. The Vikings are going to be good. Court. I saw a report with Matt Patricia talking about some of the issues they had with doing virtual meetings and that they had a technical mishap and everything just fell apart. This is from ESPN. And he felt like they had like 100 people on a virtual meeting and they all picked back up because he thought they were going to lose guys. And just talking about some of the different stuff the teams have to do because some players are like in Manhattan and they don't have a place to work out. Well, some people are in Arizona and they got vast spaces outside of having equipment and stuff and how they have to try to go out and with individual workout plans for these athletes. Right. Uh, one thing with the Vikings, I think they probably will be good, but this, I wouldn't be surprised if this is an off year for them with the shortened virtual camp. And they have a lot of rookies and young players replacing old yeah, vets. Old vets. They support. might take some time to kind of come together and really be that Viking squad we've gotten used to. Right. Hopefully it's come down to the Bears and the Packers again. That would be pretty cool. All right. So, listen, we're going to take a quick break and come back and give our thoughts on the last dance and a little NBA tip for tat or anything else that we can just sit here and discuss uh, to hopefully give you a little bit of content before we check it out on the Davis style. What's up, everybody? It's Cameron Smith from CBS2 Chicago. You're listening to the D and Davis show. I just felt that it was unfair that I was being considered a criminal for doing something that is not illegal. Gambling is legal and uh, betting is legal. Uh, for what I bet, yeah, it's a little bit more than I wanted to lose. I mean, I didn't bet to lose, but I lost it and I paid off all my debts. I didn't want to go to NBC or anyone else and let them know, hey, I lost $500,000. I'm going to pay it this, I'm going to pay it that way. You know, I felt I was taking care of what my responsibility was responsibilities were and I lost uh, my family's not starving my wife if I had a problem would have left me or you know, certainly would have came to me and said hey seek help my family my mother and father who we're close-knit people and they have monitored me from when I was a kid when I was born up until where I am now and if I ever had a problem they never had a problem telling me that I had a problem so they never came to me and say hey, Michael you got a gambling problem uh, or you know, my wife never said, and she's chief of finances in my household. She knows what comes in and what leaves. Uh, and she never said, Michael, hey, you got a problem. You know, I think that's something that the media has taken it far greater than what it is. Uh, soon, whenever I walk away from this game, uh, I think that's the only thing that people are going to say was a bad thing about Michael Jordan. No, I didn't commit a crime, but he gambled. And... If that's the least that I could be considered or have 
on my repertoire, on my you know, resume, that, hey, I'm a competitor and I gambled, uh, let's say, half a million dollars, and yet I'm still living. I'm not broke. Uh, financially, I, I still think I'm set. I don't have to work. Uh, and I choose to do whatever I choose to do. Once I leave the game of basketball, then I'm happy. D and Davis, last segment back here to talk a little bit about the last dance. Maybe anything in the NBA, maybe anything sports or anything in general, because not a lot of sports going on. And we're just here to give you content and entertainment. Uh, but definitely. So getting to the last dance, this was episode, uh, what was it, five and six? Five and six. Episode five and six. Uh, we initially went into it thinking there were going to be more detail. And I, I know it's supposed to be the last dance, but it's kind of about the whole journey of the Bulls and particularly about winning. But the whole journey of Michael Jordan and the Bulls, because outside of the Derrick Rose era, that has been the Bulls. No hate to Bob Love and Norm Van Leer and Artis Gilmore. What about Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler and Jay Williams? No. Oh, okay. Um, Jay Williams don't even claim us enough. And I, I, I wanted him over Yao Ming. I wanted the Bulls to get the second pick so that they would get Jay Williams at number two. And he doesn't, he doesn't opine enough for this team or whatever, but still love for them. And I love the Twin Tylers. I thought it was a good move. I, listen, hate on me if not, watching Elton Brand play was like watching paint dry. All right. So uh, going into this episode, uh, we definitely got to see uh, the Bulls taking on the Blazers as far as how Michael Jordan talked, uh, felt about Clyde Drexler. Uh, we did an interview. Make sure you check it out with Bob Young uh, from a writer, contributing writer from Arizona uh, Athletic. So make sure you check that, check that out because it's, it's pretty insightful because we're trying to give you different views from what necessarily the last dance has given you mm-hmm. uh, to give, to look deeper into what was going on because they don't have enough time to cover everything. It's 10 episodes, but that is a lot of history that took place. A lot of footage they got to go through. Good point D a, yeah. a lot of stuff they have to go through. Uh, uh, one of the things that I enjoyed and liked uh, a lot and that was good to come from it and uh, give me uh, a second to look for the gentleman right here but was where we saw Mike's gambling uh, issue. And I like the fact that, and of course, Michael Jordan controls the narrative. So mm-hmm. again, we'll get into it. We got the Republican uh, where Jim Shoes thing, which he admitted that he said, he said he said it in jest. Mm-hmm. But this was actually the first time on record that he's ever really addressed it. So, so he, even with stuff that he, probably he doesn't want to address, he knows he can't escape it. And being Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan phrases things for me. Again, I'm not a personal friend of his, but mostly head on. You know what I'm saying? So it's and I think what most of us know is best to address something rather than to dilly dally about it because you can you create a lot of conjecture from it. And even though people can say, well, he did dilly dally about it, he didn't he didn't talk about it for twenty something odd years. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing that I Slim did, Bowler, Slim Bowler, as far as what do you mean, Slim Bowler, the Slim offer that oh. he sent fifty seven thousand to. I thought it was 157,000, which is 57,000. No, the dude, with the, the dude with the Jerry curl. Hey, man, you have somebody named. You got to have somebody named Slim on your team. But this is the thing. This is Back what, then, they had a Jerry curl. This is the best part. And I tweeted out today an article from the Athletic Chicago. Uh, Michael Wozniak is the guy that we see that keeps doing the shrug to Jordan with the perm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The white guy that's playing quarters with Jordan. If you never played quarters as a kid, I feel sorry for you. I used to do it outside all the time. My grandma all, used to yell at me. Right on the crack? Did y'all have to do it, hit it on the crack? We used to hit it on, yeah, hit it on the crack. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, 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 well pitching pennies are pitching quarters. Yeah, same, same thing. thing, same thing, same yeah, thing. Yeah, we, we used to play it outside. Ryan, you ever, you, ever, you ever pitch quarters? I have not. No. I bet you didn't. Mm. You're not like Michael hey. Wozniak. But anyway. <laughs> Let me say, so anyway, I'm reading this article in Athletic about what Michael Wozniak, 
And he's Jordan security detail. He's a guy now you see all the memes doing. And then he does it again after he beats Mike. And this guy was a cop here in Chicago, right? And he was told that in the black neighborhoods, let them kill themselves. And he was like, let me out of this car now. And he went and worked in those neighborhoods. And I think it was, uh, if it was Stateway, uh, it, I don't think it was Cabrini. I can't remember uh, what project he worked in, but he worked in one of the, the worst projects in Chicago as an officer, right? Also, he went and joined the narcotics division of CPD, right? So he broke Jordan's back uh, rear uh, window and he went and told Mike, and this was one of the things that endeared him to Mike because the article goes on in detail that Mike prefers excellence and things like that. So go, reading the article and I'm reading the article and the guy I'm reading and whatever, and it's not saying this is important, but uh, the dude's son is the basically narrating the article. His son lives, I think his name's like Nicholas. He lives in uh, Tennessee, Nashville, I believe, because he got a job. And uh, he talked about how, um, you know, my dad's Polish, but then he says, like, my mom is black. So I'm like, wait, this is cop that's out here is trying to save the black community. His black wife too, right? And um, goes on to say that uh, his, dude, his father was stern but very loving and that he was a true character and that he texts Mike and was like, yeah, Dennis Robin was the only person with standout hair to steal this show from you. Mm. And Mike texts back LOL and then told him how much he cared about his family and his father. Last part, Michael Jordan, this man worked for Michael Jordan until he couldn't work any longer. Michael Jordan was still paying this man a paycheck to the day he died. Wow. Yeah, he died like, what, two years ago? Really? No, January. This past January? Yeah, just January. Oh, man. That's yep. a good story. Wow. Yeah. You said that was an athletic? It was an athletic Chicago. So make sure wow. you go and check it out. Matter of fact, let me make sure to, like, to do proper Dan Davis. I want to make sure I see who was the author of this article to give him his props because it was, I don't know if it was Darnell, friend of the show, but I want to make sure that it was Matt Fortuna. Matt Fortuna. All right. All right. So, I definitely check Matt, that out. Matt, great article, Matt. Uh, really insightful. We appreciate it. That's the one thing I will say about this documentary is you do have some very light moments and you have some fun moments. You have some joking moments right there. And that right there, man, when he, he's going to be lit, he's going to live in infancy, infancy. Now. Totally, totally. Yeah, he's a meme. Old, he's a meme now, yes. for sure. Forever, we're gonna be seeing this ten years from now. He's gonna be like, mm, you know, what I'm saying the white Polish guy with the perm. You know, what I'm saying getting get Michael Jordan for his money. But uh, no, that's that was that was a good one, Ken. Real quick, his son told him to change his hair, and he was like, "I can't. It's my brand." And he said that if his hmm. father was alive today, he he would have been like, "See, I told you that." And his father was like, "I told you. See what took place." But he was like, "I yeah. would never change my hair because it's my brand." Yeah. Now. That was, that was a good moment. That was a good moment. Right. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Whoa, whoa. I know you're Polish, but we <laughs> cannot allow that here, brother. He's Polish, everybody. You see the name? Bukovetsky. Bukovetsky. You keep your slurs to yourself, sir. The good boys know what we're talking about. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, oh goodness! Oh goodness! All I need is Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres and Justin Timberlake slander to, to finish this off. <laughs> Justin Timberlake and Ellen gonna be coming today. Yeah, check out next week Monday. Oh, right. uh, That's but, what you get from our executive producer right there. Quality. He's something else, right? Uh, no, no. You know what? One thing that hopped out to me um, was um, was Michael Jordan and gambling. So we all know about how much Michael Jordan likes to gamble, 
But the picture was, I mean, the interview we had with Amara Shaw with those glasses on. Shout out, them glasses were slick, too. We said, man, I don't have a problem. I have a competition problem, man. It's like, Mike, I'm surprised Amara didn't say, like, right before they went on, like, hey, man, you might want to take them glasses off. You know what I'm saying? That just might be a good look. But Mike was Mike, man. You know what I'm saying? Also, Michael Jordan, how many memes? Are, uh, he's already a classic meme to begin with, right? He's a, he's a walking meme. And this is like solidified right here. But uh, going more into the gambling, and as you said, Ken, Michael Jordan, this is basically a Michael Jordan documentary. By, a Michael Jordan documentary by Michael Jordan and Netflix and ESPN. So he has a narrative. And I, I, I am glad that he went more. He actually tackled it head on. Because he didn't have to bring up the the situation with him and Slim, yeah, paying Slim all that money. You know what I'm saying? Seeing it wouldn't have been authentic if he didn't. Though. Yeah, seeing this cat walk down the street with this Jerry Curl and he a hustler on the, on the golf course. He didn't have to show that, but he, but he did. And he said, like, hey, listen, I didn't, want, I didn't want him to look bad like he beat me, so I said it was this instead of that. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of making Michael Jordan a little bit vulnerable because mm-hmm. we have seen Michael Jordan just be this brand himself. Listen, Michael Jordan is a living brand right now. Jordans are going to be sold years after Michael Jordan is not with us on earth. He's like Mercedes Benz. He's like Henry Ford. You know what I'm saying? That's what Michael Jordan is right now. So uh, to kind of even to, to, for him to kind of let us in a little bit and let, let you know, like, hey, man, yeah, this is, this is what happened. You know what I'm saying? So that's one thing. And, and, and just looking forward, uh, not saying we're going to jump off this, right, for episodes five and six. I, want, I do want to see how in depth he goes to his father's death. Because I'm sure that's going to be the next episodes with seven and eight. Because now we're talking about baseball. I want to see how long he goes into that. If he's a, if he's pretty vulnerable on screen talking about it. Because uh, we don't see Mike a lot really on screen anymore. Or if he even talks about from the show produced by Tony Gill for 6 7 to score when he yeah. was working there and Julia Carroll. Yeah. As far as what took place with the murder of his father and some of the questions that are still prevalent today, if he touches that, he probably won't, but it'll definitely be interesting to see him do it. But Ryan, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought uh, the episode was starting to finally be for me where I kind of knew what was going on. Like I was starting to be aware of this. Obviously I remember the be like Mike phase and I can really, uh, understand his. Do you issues. remember to be like Mike phase? A little bit. Yeah. That's can I, I can, I, can you, can you give us a couple bars? Heck no. You don't want to scare away the users from my cat. I, I think we want to see the, the woman here. You say a little be like I mean, Mike. Mike, on, Mike. Be like Mike was what? 92, 91 or 92. It was 91. It was right around or after it was after it was a trailblazers year. Because I can remember being at uh, Great America and they had like the Charles Barkley and they had like Aretha Franklin or Patti LaBelle singing and they had the highlights and they had like Isaiah Magic had one. And so when you were in line at Great America back then for hours to get on the Batman. Six Flags Great America. Thank you, D. For hours to get on the Batman. You used to to have these monitors up when you were going through, snaking through and they would have NBA. This lets you know how big the NBA was back then too. They would play highlights of the great NBA players with music in the background. But getting back to what I wanted, can I get some Be Like Mike from you no. one, Ryan? Okay. No, no bars. No, no bars? Just no a couple. Bar. We can't get like Sometimes I Dream? No. Heck no. Come, come on. Like Sometimes <laughs> I Dream? Come on, Ryan. You can do The He Is Me. The He Is Me. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the other thing I was kind of wondering, um, obviously there's a lot of popular athletes, but they kept kind of like specifically going how it's almost like Muhammad Ali gave the battalion to Mike in that ultra atmosphere of sports figures. 
has LeBron hit that? Is there going to be another guy that hits that level where we're just really like, you see anywhere he goes in the world, stop traffic. There's yes. Michael yeah, I think it might be LeBron right now. Unless well, it's a soccer player that we're not giving kudos to. But yeah. Well, I, I'm getting to the vein. One, yes, LeBron has hit it. Mm-hmm. And two, there will be more than several people because of how big the NBA is. And the NBA is the closest sport that we can kind of touch due to the fact that their their faces are open. Uh, they're, it's, the, bodies. it's the closest sport. If you go to a game that you can get close to as far as uh, the range from the athlete to the field or whatever. Uh, but yeah, there'll be another LeBron. And the, the thing is, is too, it'd be because of LeBron that there's another LeBron as far as taking on social justice issues, because he set that standard for another generation. that didn't grow up with Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, and so on and so forth. Uh, so Frank, Frank Robinson, thank you. And Kareem. So yeah, they'll, uh, as long as there's I think, great- I think it's a few now, I think you could say Serena's like that. I think LeBron James is like that. Uh, I'm trying to think anybody football, man, well, football isn't that global. It's harder. Maybe Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady's probably like, like that. that. But yeah, they'll definitely be, especially, I mean, they'll definitely be, I mean, but I, I think you're trying to say something uniquely to American yeah, athletics. Like, are we going to get another Beatles type rush? Yeah, we will yeah, be probably. Cause so, you know what? Somebody's going to, just like when yeah. D was talking about Jordan's being popular way after Jordan dies. If there's a time where Jordan's are unpopular or unfashionable, 20 years later, they will read, they will reinvent it and it'll be Vogue again. And, but getting to this point, I think that you, even though like now let's just say no one wants to build up a super team, super teams will be in Vogue again. You know what I'm saying? And you don't really need a super team. All you really need is someone to build up a team like Golden State and add a supreme talent to that team. You know what I'm saying? So if Golden State hadn't won before KD got there, if Golden State hadn't won before KD got there, the narrative would have been totally different and the viewership would have been different because we would have just been salivating to see what a good team, I'm saying the Golden State wasn't great already, Mm -hmm. adding KD, we'd be like, this is phenomenal. But since they had already won, it was kind of overkill. So even though it was appointment viewership, it wasn't like we were seeing something that was organic enough to really make us just fiend, fiend, fiend for it. So, but I do think, yeah, they, and there definitely will be. And there, one last point, there's always new generations. And even right. though we, We've seen guys, they haven't had their guy, so they're going to want their guy. At one point in time, I'm sure nobody thought it was going to be anybody, anybody bigger than Muhammad Ali. Right. They came, they came Michael Jordan. I mean, I, I honestly, they, they are looked at different because of one was very into, uh, was the greatest uh, people say. Because Muhammad Ali is more important. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, and I, you I, didn't want to go to his funeral when I wanted to drive down there. Oh, Lord have mercy. Okay, <laughs> as I was saying, you have Muhammad Ali who has a social aspect on top of being one of the greatest boxers of all time. But then you have Michael Jordan who's just this phenom of an athlete and just culturally just so relevant. I mean, you, you can have people probably debate you on who is the biggest ones, but I'm sure there's some kid right now that's two years old and by the time we're in our 60s, they're going to be like, damn, this dude is bigger than Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan was. You know what I'm saying? It, it always kind of happens. It's going to be somebody. Else. We just don't know who it is. It could be a woman. It could be a man. It could be somebody from overseas that come invade America. The mm-hmm. Beatles came Beatles came and invaded America. It could be something totally like that. We, we just don't know yet. And that kid will be delusional. Delusional? Wait. Because they did it without the internet. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, like when you, that's a good when, point. Yeah. When you go worldwide, like when yeah. we always have to talk about, and again, 
I'm with D. My favorite rap duo is Outkast, right? Uh, biggest group is Wu-Tang. Most important or real, the best group in hip-hop, I always say, is Run DMC. Yeah. Because they did it with nothing. When yeah. they just had MTV that was playing rock and roll and, and Michael Jackson and Madonna. Maybe. Right? Yeah. So, like, if you, when you, sometimes we don't add, add to the equation people that didn't have the ability to connect with everyone right away that today's athletes has due to social media and the internet. These people did it. Think about it, there are areas that don't even have televisions or, or households that really have televisions that knew who Muhammad Ali was, who Michael Jordan Lord. was. Like we don't really live in that era. And there's still some places that don't have broadband and stuff like that, but there's a lot easier ways to get information than there were in the past. So even though when you try to equate whoever that future person is, he, he's doing it through, uh, uh, he's doing it through platforms that make the world a lot more accessible to everyone. All right. This is from ESPN. Uh, teams are concerned about coronavirus risks for older coaches, staff at the NBA resumes play. All right, as NBA seeks resolution to return to action during the coronavirus pandemic, teams are weighing scenarios for potential games with only essential personnel present. Perhaps a key factor in such a decision beyond titles or responsibilities is health and age of staffers, NBA general managers told ESPN. One NBA general manager speaking on conditions and anonymity pointed to uh, the age of the team's head coach and others on the staff and said he would feel uneasy about those coaches being present for games given the factors that place some uh, people at a higher risk for serious issues before because of the virus. I don't want to put, it, uh, put them in harm's way, the general manager said. Another general manager echoing the point regarding team staffers who might be at a high risk because of underlying health conditions or their age. The Center for Disease Control and uh, Prevention said that adults over 65 are at a high risk for severe illness, severe illness due to the corona-19. Uh, based on all the information that we have today, probably people over 60 with pre-existing conditions can't go for sure. No matter uh, what their titles are, the second general manager said, whether it's a father of a star player or whether it's a general manager of a team, they can't go. One last that's, person. I'm worried about those guys. The general manager said that's exposure that I don't think we can afford. Now, think about that. We, I, You know what? As I said before, and I, th- I think we can all could agree, it's like it, it's not really worth it if you're going to put people in harm's way. But we also, I didn't think about this. The people, the, per- the player personnel, those guys, men and women, majority of men, are pretty old dudes. They yeah. like Jerry West. I don't want to see nothing happen to Jerry West. Assistant coaches. Assistant I, coaches. Y'all coaches. trying to kill? Y'all trying to kill Greg Popovich? You know what I'm saying? I you know I didn't. I thought about it. And it's, I bet, it's kind of, I bet Trump wants that, though. Oh, no. He better not do that to the NBA. I bet Trump is like, yeah, get Pop out the box. <laughs> and listen, think about this. Probably Steve Kerr has preconsistent conditions, let alone with that back and issues His that he had. I'm just saying, like, so I mean, just the, the type of dims that you know Trump is like, yeah, open up the markets. <laughs> Damn. But no, I, I, that's a very, very good point about the player personnel or the organiz- people working within the organization that, yes, they are older. Jerry mm-hmm. Reinsdorf can't go anywhere. He can't go see his baseball team. I'm, he, he rich, he uber rich, but he can't go see his baseball team or his basketball team. You know what I'm saying? All these owners, yeah, they want to get back in and get the money going, but I, I can't go nowhere. Wait, can Michael Reinsdorf go? Like, you talk about how old Jerry is. Michael Reinsdorf ain't a spring chicken. Yeah, that's, that's true. Right, Jay Russell was in his 80s. I would think his son is close to 60 years old, right? Like, again, and I mean, you don't need your owners to be there, but you usually would want your general manager. Let's let's not even talk about that. Let's talk about about coaches, staffers, and bench coaches, right? 
just when we were sitting there, uh, the interview that we did with Bob Young from the Athletic Arizona, and he, you know, he was talking about uh, when uh, um, Lionel Collins, Lionel, uh, whoops, um, Lionel Collins. Collins. Thank you, Lionel Collins. I was going to say Collins. Lionel Collins brought back Paul Westfall because he brought in Lionel uh, Hollins, right? Mm-hmm. That coaches usually have, they have now that you can see more players from the era we grew up in, but they usually have coaches of the same age group. You can think about Ron Adams being there with Tom Thibodeau uh, for all those years. So you're risking all those people. And then I'll give you another one. That may not be as old as back in the days, but what about the refs? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of people. And then we can just say, we're just going to do it without them. And that, maybe you can. Uh, one thing I did see, I wanted to point this out real quick. I think I was, uh, uh, Brian Winhurst was talking about this on ESPN. So one of the things they're talking about is having like blocks. So like the, the Lakers would be in a block with five other teams. So let's just say they would have four blocks, right? And what they would do is that if one of those, in one of those blocks that have five teams, if a player catches coronavirus, that whole block is knocked out of what's left in the NBA. Whoa. Yeah. That's how, so that, that way they keep it separate as far as the infections. Mm. So because that, that player is playing in that block with those other four teams or three teams, they would just not, get rid of them so they can make sure that anybody that's, that, that, that's not showing symptoms wouldn't affect anybody else. So, I mean, so all those teams would be gone? All, like, so if, let's just say the Lakers in a block with uh, Memphis. Mm-hmm. Right, somebody from Memphis has it. They're out because they already played that team, probably, or maybe they're living in facilities close to those that team, and they would just eliminate that whole block to make sure nobody else is infected. That right there, that that right there should should really prove to people it ain't worth it, and this country ain't ready. You have states that's opening up right now, and what's happening? Their numbers of infected or cases are starting to go up because, hey, listen, one plus one equals two. So if you have these leagues where there's a case scenario like Kansas laid out or, yeah, we want to put everybody in a bubble or whatever like that, but you know what? You can't see your family for three months or we got to get all these tests, which is going to be a bad look because the, natural, because the regular public doesn't have all these tests. If you have to have the, if you're, if these many scenarios and these many questions are being brought up time after time after time after time, it's just not worth it. I mean, I love sports. So obviously, Candace said this a thousand times. We just had to find something to talk about. But it ain't worth it. It's, I, I just, it's, it's going to happen, and I know some, some leagues are going to be like, especially the NFL is going to be like, we're just going to do it. I, I, it could be the political mindset, the political leaning of it, or just a simple case that they think they're invisible, and they're the NFL, or just using an example. But it just, it's, I, just don't, I don't want to hear the reports coming out talking about, oh, yeah, now we have to shut down the economy again in these states again because we decided to open it up. And now, once again, you have these leagues that start up again. All these players that want to, all these players want to go out there and play. Imagine all these players want to go out there and play, and then it happens once again. A couple of other people get uh, tested, test positive, and they got to shut it down once again. Dan Davis Show, Demise, me, Ken, and Ryan, our executive producer. Um, there was a, a nurse. I don't know if she passed. She passed recently. I don't know which hospital in Chicago she worked at, but she was, she came out of retirement to go work for the hospital, right? Made me think about my grandmother, actually, because my grandmother retired and still went to work, but she couldn't work as many hours because it messes with your social security, whatever, messes with your social security. So she would have to pay so much money back if she went over so many, a a lot of hours. And I thought about, man, my grandma was alive during this. What would it be like? This nurse died through the COVID. She caught COVID. This lady that had served and retired and came back. 
And the reason I'm pointing out is just to highlight, because again, listen to Chris Christie, and I know this is a flip topic as far as getting, I won't say it's political, I think it's moral. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying that people are going to die. We, again, I said, we're going to show, we know people are going to die, but it's how you sit there and do things to make sure other people don't die. We have a situation in Michigan where some stupid ass people sat there, a lady was taking her daughter into like the dollar store or something yeah, and sat there and got into an argument with the security guard doing his job. That was like the daughter had to wear a mask, went home, told her son and her husband, they come back and the son shoots him in the head. Like, and that's on the, that's a whole different spectrum of just to say the least, but just still to just to, to point out, yeah, but it's Ryan puts <laughs> me swearing. But just, and, and again, that's in our community, but then you look at these groups of militias, Trump had a rally in Arizona, basically going down there to check out a factory and people are standing outside with signs. Like, do you MFers really think about the people that are still going to, to work? Because this is a thing. I think I would go to work if I was a nurse. Because at one point in my life, I was going to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. But I, you know what? I feel, I feel no ill will to any nurses or anybody that's like, you know what? I'm going to stay home with my family because y'all out there doing a lot of foolish. Because they keep it going. And y'all are keep y'all, these, y'all like, these are the people that are risking their lives and you idiots that are outside in every community are going to end up there risking their lives. And they're still trying to be here for you. And this senselessness needs to end. Okay. So going to the flip, do you all agree that these people need a heckler? Yeah. You can get your heckler. You're right. I just want to go. You got it. You're right. The problem is your heckler is going to get exposed. That's the problem. I said that time. Hey, whoa, whoa. Could I, I could heckle like, but from a building. Through Zoom. No, no, no. I ain't on Zoom. Do a megaphone. Do a, uh, do a bullhorn. Wait, wait, wait. Imagine ruining everybody else's quarantine. Wait, wait, wait. Imagine this. I'm only heckling them. Take that megaphone down. That's what I'm about to say. quarantining. They innovate somebody, right? They'd be like, okay, you're innovated. The person's like, then they bring the computer from like, hold on, we got to put this here. Then D pops up on the screen. It's like, yeah, yeah you stupid ass. <laughs> what were you doing out there? <laughs> Nobody told you to go out there. Right. They told you to say your ass at home, but it's now you did. I mean, we live in a very weird time to say the least. And I hate to say it for the most part, we're somewhat deserving of it. And these sports ain't coming back no time soon. You've been saying Greg that Hodges stuff. <sighs> you would want to do that, which it, what, what, what? Hey, listen, we've had we Craig Hodges on our show. No, I'm we just had, no, we had Craig Hodges on our show. Great guy had him in studio with us. That was a few years ago, Ken. We had Craig Hodges on the show twice. Twice, yeah, yeah. He came in studio once, man. We had a great time dropping yeah. knowledge on us and great, great stories. Yeah. But it is interesting. He said that he did not know this documentary was coming out until his son told him. A Mr. week Hodges. before. Mr. Hodges, where have you been? He's yeah. saving the world. That is, is where he's been. All right. So, all right. So, uh, I saw this in CBS. I mean, I'm sorry, NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, I posted, it was posted on uh, Facebook by Jason Goff, one Jason Goff who does Bulls pre and post. Shout out to Jason. Um, Craig Hodges feels salty about Michael Jordan and this. And I'm, Brian, you can help me. So, one, he definitely didn't like the uh, cocaine circus crew or whatever. He said that he didn't, he felt like that you're putting guys in a situation where they have to answer questions. Also, Craig Hodges wasn't on the team. He's a Milwaukee Buck with Donnie Nelson. Don Nelson is the head coach mm-hmm. at that point. But he felt like 
Jordan was putting guys in a situation where they had to explain something to their families while they're watching the show. Maybe they didn't expect they had to explain. Uh, he didn't like the fact that Jordan said that uh, Horace Grant was the, the mole and probably giving Sam Smith or in someone information. He said that he basically would want more details and that that, that wasn't cool. Uh, we've known in the past that he felt like Mike could do more. But one thing I did see the other day that he said that, well, perhaps what Mike didn't say anything and we didn't cover the fact about Michael Jordan addressing the Republicans do shoes thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Too. Said it just as a joke to Horace Grant and Scotty Pippen on the bus. And you know, Horace Wins told that. Like, I'm going to tell hey, you. Hey, Sam. I'm going to tell something. you what he said. But, uh, uh, so, so, but he did say, real quick, that perhaps he didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And that, that made, which is a good point that sometimes when you look for athletes, I saw somebody uh, posting on Facebook uh, that, you know what? We had uh, Harold Washington, we had uh, Jesse Jackson, uh, you had Oprah, but we didn't need Walter Payton and Michael Jordan to tell us to vote. Like here in Chicago, we had enough uh, people that were, that was their lane to do that. that We weren't necessarily looking to our athletes to necessarily do that. But that still is is giving, giving them an excuse to say the least, you know what I'm saying? Uh, But just, he pointed out that necessarily he didn't get interviewed and that's one thing he felt salty about. And I think that goes back to the fact that, I mean, that Craig Hodges has been erased from Bulls history, especially being a guy that won the three-point contest that much and fit the triangle and what they needed is outside of shooting. He was the first guy, Paxton, but he was the first specialist in the triangle. To, that was Steve Kerr, what Steve Kerr's role basically began because Steve Kerr wasn't really a point guard. Paxton was a point guard. He still had more point guard skill, but the specialist to come in, uh, so he felt wronged by that. And I have no problem with him saying it. Um, he's a phenomenal brother. And I'm going to ride with Craig Hodges, regardless of what Ryan is trying to do, and destruct the community. <laughs> by the way, they have final veto of what we talk about. I didn't hear you. I say it for the audience. Okay. You got final veto. What we talk about? (laughs) We do, but in all fairness, one thing Lawrence Holmes told us was to listen to our executive producer. That's right. That's true. All right. So I listened to my executive producer. Um. Now you know what I I I thought we'd be able to see like maybe some glimpses of Craig Hodges or something. He has like literally MJ. Not even the dashiki. Not, not nothing. They showed him at the, you know what? They showed him at the White House, but they didn't show him that. They didn't show Craig, though. And what's interesting, just thinking about some of the stories Craig Hodges told us in the studio, talking about how him and MJ will play one-on-one. Do you say over at IIT, Jim? IIT, definitely. Yeah, IIT and Chicago State were definitely the places. Yeah, they go, they have one, they play one-on-one, and he said, man, listen, I had to, Craig Hodges said, I had to pair my, my game down on the team, but I was originally, I'm a straight hooper. I'm a scorer, so I can go back and forth. He ain't, I don't know if, he didn't say he can go back and forth with MJ. But he said that he can go, though. He was a scorer. But I was looking for a little bit of Craig Hodges and something, and it's very disappointing, very disappointing. As a kid who grew up watching Craig Hodges win those three-point contests, watching Craig Hodges hit those threes within the game, he was on the first three championship teams, right? When all three of them, right? So was the he on the first two? two? First, First two. two, he had to come back and not have a Bulls jersey on for that three-point competition, the third championship. Year. That's right. That's right. So you, you, he has two. He's an NBA champion. So I was hoping to see something. That's that'll be that would be my one my one complaint to Michael Jordan about this is that he could have gave the people a little bit more Craig Hodges. I know it's very small of a thing, but he could have gave us a little bit more Craig Hodges. And what about Craig Hodges? 
one thing in what you said, I don't know if you said hooper. I remember saying something like, man, yeah, you was a shooter. He was like, no, I was a hooper. I was like, no, I'm, you sorry. Hooper. I'm sorry, man. Mr. Craig Hodges. Um, this is two. I'm a big proponent of uh, uh, Mahmoud Raouf, right? But, and again, what he did was, for me, fine and right. And in the free country, he had his ability to say, you know what? I don't want to sit here and put my hand over my heart when I feel that this country is still wrong. I mean, it's wrong my people. The reason I'm bringing that up is because he got blackballed from the NBA. Mm-hmm. Craig Hodges wore dashiki and gave the president a five-page uh, letter detailing what he could do to help the community. There was how, – how many radical stances did Craig Hodges take against the league? You know, like, there, there was nothing outrageous. Nothing. So, so even going from him being blackballed then, but from him being blackballed now in this, it, especially we're talking about this is today. So you can mention Dennis Rodman doing all types of crazy-ish and guys in a room tooting up their nose, but you can't point out Craig Hodges doing something just? Like, that to me is ridiculous. Like, sometimes we as a people have to not be afraid, especially when we have power to tell the true story if some people may feel a certain kind of way. And I don't even know who would feel a certain kind of way about Craig Hodges because he really didn't do anything anything. to anybody. Now, I thought that I read this, Ryan. Maybe you can uh, look into this or back me up on it. Do they have like 500 hours of footage that they have? They got a ton. They're editing like it's stuff that we're not going to see, basically. So I'm yeah. sure Craig Hodges is, is in those, is in that. In the thing. footage, but still they didn't go and interview. But they, but they ain't going to interview. Right. Yeah. They ain't going to interview. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's one part I am very disappointed about. Just like, just like for me, and I get why I brought this up before, but the image that they have of the last dance, where it's Phil Jackson, Scotty, um, uh, Mike, uh, Rodman, and then you have Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. It's, it's preposterous because you're doing that because Steve Kerr is relevant today, right? Right. So that's showing what you're placating to the fact that who's relevant today and people can connect to. And I only uh, to me, I would still have you can still have Steve Kerr there, but I've said this before. Tony Kukoc should be the fifth member. You only have five, four guys, and it used to always be the image of the star training since we always used to love. When they showed the starting five coming back from either halftime or coming off the bench, those were iconic bull shots seeing that five walk back on the court or whatever. You could at least have Tony for how important Tony was for that title out of the guys that were still there. But it's just one of those things where you're just placating to who's popular right now at this minute, and that being Steve Kerr, who definitely deserves it. I love Steve Kerr. I always wanted him to be the voice of the Bulls from when he was at Grand Park just cracking us up. Yeah. I thought then, like, man, he should be doing Bulls radio, right? And then he went to TNT. But I used to think, like, he should be Winnington or Stacey King back in those days. Right. And you got any thoughts on uh, Craig Hodges not being there on the documentary? Uh, no. Unfortunately, I'm not too familiar with Craig Hodges other than just highlights, names, and everything like that. I did, uh, you know, I guess I expected maybe some more Bulls players to be a part of this that we've seen so far. But I guess like you can't have everybody. He wanted Dennis Hobson uh, and Rodney McCray. I just, I figured at least with, let's say, the last dance team, that everybody would be interviewed on that team. You want Jeb Bushler? How I'm just saying. Did, I thought they that they Jeb Bushler? Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. They did. I think they did. Oh, yeah. They, they did. did. Well, where, the question is, where's Bobby Hansen? <laughs> <laughs> I think they, have they not 
uh, interviewed everybody? Who no, interviewed? I don't think I, I don't think there are definitely some guys. I I've definitely not seen any Rodney McRae interview footage. Wait uh, a minute, Brian, are you talking about just ninety eighteen? That you want to see I'm everybody? Just saying, I'm just saying in general, like, I, I don't think they probably could have gotten everybody. I'm not saying I want to see these people. I'm just saying they probably couldn't fit every Bulls player on all of Jordan's teams on here and give all that kind of insight. So I don't know where Craig Hodges fits on that, to be honest. Let's see. Brian Williams has passed away. I was about to say, where's the ghost of Bison Daly? I mean, Bison Daly. Yeah. yeah, he passed away. You respect uh, that man's name. Bison Daly, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm trying to think. Is it? Oh. I'm trying to think who. Where's Jason Caffrey? Oh, Jason Dickie Simpkins and his. I think Dickie may have. I don't think I see see Dickie. Okay, was Stacy was Stacy interviewed? No, not yet. I haven't seen Stacy. Stacy, he's not going to be interviewed now. Where's he? Going on the first three. Where's Luke Longley? Luke Longley. Cliff. Where's Cliff Livingston? That's that's why. Bill Cartwright had a cameo, right? Like yeah, Bill Cartwright. Yeah, Bill Cartwright. No, once or twice. Once or twice. I think he talked a lot when he was talking about the Knicks and maybe the first. Championship, I believe. He's gonna, but you know what? Bill's gonna be on there with the Scotty sitting out at the end game. He's gonna talk about how mad he was at Scotty because he was about oh, to yeah. risk Scotty. He's gonna, they're gonna pop him up in that when Scotty yeah. set out and Tony Kukoc hit the three against the Knicks in the regular yeah. season. Yeah, Real quick right before that. we get out of here, uh, last Bulls part, uh, Jordan confirmed and we mentioned it that he did say Republicans wear sneakers, even though he said it in jest. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on that, D? Um, I, I th- at least when I heard it back in the day. Not so much back in the day, but not that long ago. It was back in the day. No, no, no. I'm talking about when it's kind of like resurfaced. Because okay. usually when LeBron James does things and he's very socially active, people first people, first person they bring up is probably either Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. So they talk to, they usually always bring that up. It, it wasn't far-fetched for me to believe that he would say something like that because you know Michael Jordan is about his money. Um, so that wasn't that surprising to me. It was good to see that he actually said, like, listen, I don't, I don't know the guy. My mother spoke for him, but you know what? I sent him some money. And I don't want to put my name behind somebody that I don't know. I have no problem with you feeling that way. I don't know if it would have went alone if side saying like, well, you know, everybody about Jim Shoes, so that's why I'm not going to say anything, even if it was a throwaway line. I, it's, it's a, it, it, it's a, it's, it would be interesting to see who leaked that, sto- who leaked that joke out. Oh, it's great. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but that wasn't that far-fetched that he would maybe make a joke about that, but it was, at least it was good to say, like, hey, listen, I didn't know the guy, but you know what mother did? I respect my mother, and I sent him some money for his campaign. It was sad, and Jordan should have been better than that. And just because we love him, we can paint out when he just, he just oh, done yeah. things that are wrong. And even though he didn't want to be like Muhammad Ali, he didn't have to be Muhammad Ali and right. be as controversial, but he still could have stood Say on something. right a tad bit more. D, take us out. All right. Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DN Davis Show. Once again, it's at DN Davis Show. Hit that bio link and uh, you can find it. We'll find where we're at uh, everywhere. Twitter, Demons One, Ken, that's Davis, Ryan B. Ski. Hey, we hope, we hope you enjoyed the show. Check out the Bob Young interview and all the interviews that we've been trying to do. Uh, please keep supporting us and don't do anything crazy before you hear from us again. Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs>